Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's Philosophy Talk. Today, religion within a secular society. Oh, that's a hard thing, John. Abortion on demand, the Ten Commandments hanging everywhere, prayer in the schools. Oh, that's hard stuff. It's not so hard. America's a secular state. Religion should just get lost. But if I'm deeply religious, I don't want the state to pass laws that violate absolute right and wrong, like permitting abortion. Well, my religion encourages abortion. What are you going to do about that? Oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe we should just keep religion and the state entirely separate. Religion and the secular state when Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 FM KALW, San Francisco's oldest, most innovative public radio station. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And now Philosopher's Corner's listeners, I want to tell you, extends to the world because we've got this cool blog up and running. It's called the Bo- Philosophy Talk, the blog. John will be blogging on it regularly. I will be. Amy Standen, our roving philosophical reporter. Ian Shows, our on-air guest. And go, go check it out. It's at theblog.philosophytalk.org. It's really cool. Can I put a blog on there today once I figured out how to do it that was full of deep and profound thoughts and reasoning, but I'm going to take a little bit different position here on the show. I, I mean, there's lots of democracies that have an official religion. For example, Britain, Ireland, and Israel. They function pretty well, uh, in many ways, better than ours. What's the big deal about this separation of church and state? Well, th- those are pretty cool places, I grant you. But, you know, part of the reason that they can have this official religion, which they, they kind of get from their history, because nobody takes it seriously, right? I mean, they're having an official religion enables everybody to be indifferent. America's an extremely religious country, one of the most religious countries in the world. And you know what I think is instrumental to that? The separation of church and state, because that lets religious freedom flourish, keeps the church out of politics and politics out of the church, and that's a darn good thing. Okay, that's a darn good thing. But, but look at it this way. Uh, democracies require commitment of everybody to the choice of the majority. That's not going to work unless there's kind of a commitment to basic values. Uh, And religions are all about basic values. Religions give a story that sanctifies our values in uh, human liberty and dignity and so forth and so on. Isn't it really a good thing to have a religious basis for for a democratic society? No. I mean, one of the things that religion does is divide the world into the infidel and the faithful. And, and the faithful get empowered by religion to do all sorts of bad things, especially when you marry that religion to state power in a serious way. I, I agree with you that you've got to have some kind of common conception. So here's kind of, kind of common concession, conception. Each person deserves freedom and autonomy, basic respect. You know, uh, th- that's a secular vision. That's just human beings as they are deserve freedom, dignity, equal treatment under the law. You don't need God to, 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 to make that happen. Well, I, I don't know why you call it a secular vision. I'm sure some secular people hold it, but a lot of religious people hold it and has its roots in, 
in uh, religion, the idea of equality and so forth. I mean, religion's responsible for a lot of bad things, but it's responsible for good things, too. I don't disagree with that. It is responsible for good things. But again, you know, where there's an overlap between secular vision and religious visions, re- that's fine. But where religion, re- religion claims a special turf and divine guidance for it, that's deeply problematic, especially when it's married to state power. Well, the same for secularism. Look at, look at the great communist societies that were atheistic. The tolerance is the key, not whether there's an official line by the government. I'm not sure I agree with you. I mean, tolerance is important. I agree with that. But it's also condescending. But you're also right. I don't want to go to the Soviet Union. You know, it's a complicated thing. Look, sometimes uh, the separation of church and state wrongly drives religious people out of public discourse. That's a wrong thing to do. Uh, our, Our roving philosophical reporter went out and talked to somebody who feels strongly about this issue. She files this report. So where do we put the separation of church and state? Is it prayer in schools or Ten Commandment monuments in the courthouse? What about the words one nation under God? Even Supreme Court justices say it's a tough call, but not everyone thinks so. I think people need to come back and say, look, the First Amendment is actually very precise. Nancy Piercy is the author of Total Truth, Liberating Christianity from its Cultural Captivity. It says, Congress shall make no law for the establishment of religion. So if Congress isn't doing it, it's not against the First Amendment. If it doesn't involve a law, it's not against the First Amendment. If it doesn't establish a national state church, it's not against the First Amendment. To be very, very technically precise, the only thing that really is unconstitutional is Congress passing a law establishing a national state church. You know, nowadays it's been taken metaphorically to mean teachers can't have a Bible on their desks, or kindergartners can't fold their hands before lunch. And it has nothing to do with whether the Congress is passing a law to establish a national state church. In Piercy's view, the state has already gone too far. She says it actively discriminates against Christians and other religious people. It's sort of the, the rule of thumb that the Supreme Court uses to decide whether there's been uh, a violation of the First Amendment. And one of, the, one of the requirements is that there should be no religious motivation behind the law. Well, what does that mean? That means you can have a secular motivation. Any kind of secular motivation is okay, but no religious motivation is okay. Well, why not? What that means is religious people are, are disenfranchised anytime they want to promote a public policy that has any rooting in their religious beliefs. So it's become almost a reverse discrimination in our day. Here's an example. Um, during the debates over embryonic stem cell research, Christopher Reeve, speaking to a Yale University audience, once said, when matters of public policy are debated, no religions should have a seat at the table. That's the attitude that makes religious believers feel disenfranchised. And what he's saying is, I'm not going to even weigh whether your positions are right or wrong, whether certain ones are better, certain ones are worse. You don't even have a place at the table anymore. So here's the question. Is secularism more valid, more objective than Christianity or any other religion? Or is it, like Piercy says, just another way of looking at the world? Christopher Reeve doesn't stand up and say, well, look, what I'm promoting is a utilitarian, pragmatic ethic over against a normative, theistic ethic. Nobody says that, because then you realize it's a level playing field. It's this ism versus that ism. But it's just as much an ism. You know, it's just as much a worldview. You know, the Christian has as much right as anyone else to get out there and to try to persuade. A lot of people will say, oh, you know, if you come out and state your position publicly, they'll say, you're trying to impose your, you know, your religious beliefs on me. Well, no, I'm not. But I do have the right to persuade you. 
much as anyone else, that's what a democracy is all about. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.